sit back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The feeling of the species is more deadly than a male. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. The female of the species is more deadly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the always lovely, the always insightful, the never hysterical, Aria. (laughs) Aria? Ariel. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? Hi. Oh, my God. Hi, girl. I know your name. I swear. I don't know what. <laughs> Two weeks off of podcasting and I've forgotten how to speak. Not that I've forgotten how to podcast. I've forgotten how to actually enunciate the English language. <laughs> well, we're glad you're back anyways. Are we you? missed you. I missed you. Are the you. listeners? Yes, <laughs> I'm sure they were like, they were an embarrassment of smarty pants riches when I was gone. It was you, <laughs> Matilda, who's a genius, and Caitlin, who's a genius. Yeah, they were amazing. At also, you Aww. are a genius. So I'm sure when they heard my voice at the beginning, they're like, damn it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and bad news, it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you so much for doing that. The episode was amazing. You guys are brilliant. I know that it was a rough go, like emotionally, <laughs> with that movie, but you guys did a really great job of talking oh, about thank it. Thank you. You're also smart. I want well, to be best you know, friends Matilda with all of you. and I just want to impress Daddy Rachel. That's all. Oh, That's all we're yeah. doing. <laughs> I'm sad to report that I'm very, very into being called Daddy Rachel. <laughs> I'm just going to start getting like a bunch of merch that says people oh are going to be God, like, "What you the have hell?" To. <laughs> Matilda was joking that she's going to have uh, Disneyland ears made of me that have embroidered Daddy Rachel on them. <laughs> Yes, and then you have to wear them to the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, don't threaten me with a good time. You need a picture with Mickey, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was funny. We were on Bloody Good Whore this week. Plug for Bloody Good Whore, by the way. Great show. Uh, yep. Good friends of ours now. Where we talked about Firestarter. And I don't know how Daddy Rachel came up, but Eric looked genuinely <laughs> <Aghast>. traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> so it made me my giggle. apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget that people have class. Right. Not us, but other people. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it's good to be back. How have you been? What's been going on? What's happening in your life? What weird shit have you seen? (laughs) Is, Is the ghost back? No, no ghostly activity. That's that's all gone. Wow. So, yeah. Sorry. Nothing. How do we do an anti exorcism? Uh, I don't like, know. What I don't how, what find is the out. opposite of saging? If I go in there and like burn some, you know, devil's ward or something, will it, will it <laughs> will the ghost come back? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really want you to be haunted all the time. Just a light haunting, just like a whisper a of haunting, of haunting, just for content purposes. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't want there to be like a demon possession that takes place or some weird succubus action, unless the ghost is hot and you're into it and you consent but i would like (laughs) for some weird shit to be happening for us to talk about on the show and i find it very rude that your ghost is being so quiet yeah i mean i guess agreed it's it's nice that it's quiet but i take your point content is important Uh, on that front, I did embarrass myself a couple of days ago. I could tell you about Ooh, that. I do said... love a good embarrassing story. Tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> okay. So you know how I told you that a while back there were a bunch of like former frat guys that moved into a house near me. Mm-hmm. So I have to pass this house every time I walk my dog and they basically live their entire lives in their front yard and their garage with the garage door open. So they're okay. like visible basically at all times. Just doing shit i'm imagining that they're the old naked guys that have managed to it's that house like yeah okay so they've like get outed some (laughs) frat boys that's my theory (laughs) oh my god 
Whoa. Is it all making sense now? My mind is blown. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the thing is that they now have young women there all the time, which also I feel like is sort of in line with your theory, maybe, of <laughs> why they why they transported themselves into younger bodies. You need a shirt that you wear when you walk by just on the back says, girl, you could do better. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so the other day I was walking my dog and they were out in their front yard and they had a young woman there who was in a bikini, probably had been sunbathing or something. And she was standing next to this dog and it was one of those giant uh, gray mastiffs, like the blue gray mastiffs. Pretty. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful dog. So I'm staring at this dog because it's so good looking and like so adorable. (laughs) (laughs) When I tripped and fell. Oh no. Like, Oh, no. Just face first onto the pavement, just oh, no. full chest onto the pavement. Oh no! Which of course made noise and shocked my dog, and I probably screamed "fuck" or something. And then all eyes are on me. But here's the problem: is that I'm pretty sure by the looks on their faces that it looked like maybe I was staring so hard at this young woman that I oh, tripped and fell no. instead of the dog. So, I mean, you'd think they'd be like, "Yeah, fellow creep." She's one of us. Let's get her a get out frat boy body. Oh, God. (laughs) They might recruit you. You're making it worse. (laughs) I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, it is sort of what you do, isn't it? You tell me the story and I'm like, let's make it worse. (laughs) No, but seriously, be careful. If you start getting weird flyers that have like, you know, invitations or something on them, you might be getting recruited into the get out frat. Okay. I will keep my eyes peeled. <laughs> right. Although apparently they also hang with good looking dogs. So maybe you want to join their <laughs> I really just wanted to be friends with the dog is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, the dog sounds really pretty and cool, but that's awkward. What did you, so did they say anything or was it just no, a lot of staring just, and you shuffling away? Just a lot away? of staring and I just sort of you know, brush myself off and scurried away with my dog. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Did you, the girl say anything to you? Nope. Did you say anything to them? No. <laughs> okay. So I have an embarrassing story. Do you want to hear an embarrassing thing that happened to yes, me? Yes, of course. Okay. Always. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's only fair, <laughs> right? And feel free to make it worse. So one of the things I, I don't remember if this we have recorded since I went to Disneyland. Did I tell you what happened to me at Disneyland that was really embarrassing? No, I heard about Disneyland, but I didn't hear about an embarrassing thing. <sighs> okay. So, okay. I mean, it's it's a short and sweet story, but it will for it's it is entered into my 3 a.m. slideshow. Oh, no. It's in there forever. So, I typically do everything I can to avoid Fantasyland because it is a land of strollers and fighting parents and toddlers and it's not for me, right? But the Matterhorn is there and I haven't been on the Matterhorn in a really long time because of the pandemic and because we hadn't gone the last few times because it's in Fantasyland. So I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's go to Fantasyland. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So we go. I go on the ride. have a great fucking time. But there are these one person seats that are in like a, I guess it's like a sled kind of thing is what it's meant to look like because you're, you know, traversing the mountain or whatever. So you like get in and it's kind of a tight squeeze, whatever. And I'm wearing a dress because we all know I'm fancy. Yeah. always. (laughs) I talk like a sailor, dress like a lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a great time. Everything went great. I go to stand up and without realizing it, when I sat down, my dress had bunched up (gasps) around my waist, which was fine inside the car. You know, because my oh, butt no. was in the car. Did you just flash everybody? But when I stood up, because it's a cotton dress, <laughs> it did not gracefully fall down around my <laughs> hips. Oh, no, it did not. It it took, like, I don't know, like a, a wave shape behind my, like a peacock. A peacock's, <laughs> like, when they spread their uh-huh. feathers out into a fan. So I had a fan of a dress up around my back and oh. a full double cheek. Oh my god! To Please the poor car behind me, or no underwear that would make us even better. Well, I was wearing tights. Oh damn! But they were clear tights, <laughs> sheer tights, hand, you uh-huh. know, like beige tights. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure I had a half wedgie. Oh so no! So one cheek was more exposed than the other. <laughs> And I, as in the moment that I realized that my skirt was up, I had turned around 
and made direct eye contact with someone. <laughs> this poor, nice young man whose eyes were bugging out of his head. Rachel's butt. Yeah. And like I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of shrugged <laughs> and said, "Whoops!" And he laughed. You said, "Whoops!" <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> oh, it was so embarrassing. And oh it wasn't God, even amazing. cute. It was one butt cheek because, like, I had some granny panties on, and one of them had crept. It's like I had an eye patch for my butt cheeks. <laughs> what if you're now his slideshow too? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I am, and <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> Oh my god. That's amazing. Oh, it was so embarrassing. And then I was behind my partner, so he had no idea what was happening because <laughs> I was in the back seat. Uh-huh. Um because I didn't want anyone to see me getting in and being awkward getting in, so I was like I'm going to sit in the back. Yeah. So there was nothing behind me to block me. If I had stood up in front of Randy, I'm sure he would have just pulled my skirt down real fast. But no, of I got all nope. the I had to step <laughs> up and out. I got up and out of the thing before I realized that my skirt was up. Wow, they really got a show, Rach. They really did. They got a show. Yeah, I feel like they needed to jack up the price of their tickets because they got the full Monty. So then, yeah, slip some tips into those granny pants. Right? I'm like, my Venmo is at Rachel Chateau. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Whoops. Christ. I love the response. That's so good. And he just laughed. I mean, he looked mortified. Yeah. He looked and then I think maybe it was a tension relief that we both laughed. Yeah, of course. I, I was you dying saved it a little bit, maybe. Oh no. There was no saving it. There was no saving it. Because as I walked away, I could feel that one side of my underwear had crept into my butt. So I was oh, like no. getting Oh no. I knew. I knew what I had just shared. <laughs> what with you the had world. done. My contribution to Disneyland that day was um uh, Oh, somewhere he's telling the story from the other angle and it's it's wild. <laughs> All right. So anyways, that's what I've been up to. Amazing. That's what me and my skirt have been literally up to. Uh, um yeah. <laughs> So I guess the moral of the story is wear pants. If you're gonna wear a skirt, wear shorts under them. You never know what cool Good point. vagaries of a bike shorts. theme park <laughs> will do to your skirt. Uh, <laughs> right? I should have at least had some on for, you know, chub rub or something. Yeah. But no. Nope. Cheeks to the wind. All right. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> enough of this. Let's get into this. So we are going to be talking about the film Lyle, directed by Stuart Thorndike. I'm very excited to talk about this with you today. We have not done any pre-show discussions. I have no idea what you thought about this. I'm excited to get into that. Yeah. But before we do that, can you please let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is? Of course. So eventually, we're going to spoil the whole damn movie. We're really good at that. But (laughs) before that, Rachel's going to tell you about the director and the making of the movie. And then we're going to give you some non-spoiler thoughts, whether this is worth checking out. And then we'll get into full spoiler territory. But don't worry, because Rachel's going to vamp a little bit, give you a time to pause and go watch this movie. It's on Shudder and I think Tubi maybe too. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to watch it easily if you want to avoid spoilers. Absolutely. And it's an hour long. I mean, yeah. It's only an hour. No excuse. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about Stuart herself. She is an American writer and actor and director, obviously. She's originally from Tacoma, Washington, and earned her MFA in directing at NYU Tisch School of the Arts and is a fellow with the San Francisco Films Society Inaugural Women Filmmakers Fellowship for Women in Genre, which is pretty dope, I have to say. To date, Lyle is Stewart's only feature film. What? Yep. However, she has directed a couple of other shorts and an episode of a series called Day 5, which I was not familiar with, but looks kind of cool, to be honest. Her first short, which was also her thesis short, Tess and Nana, premiered at South by Southwest. Wow. She may not have done a ton of stuff, but what she has done has been pretty great. Yeah. She is an out queer woman, which is rad. And in more recent years, she developed a podcast called Come Out, Come Out. Oh, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Great title. (laughs) Isn't that cool? (laughs) Which is described as a -a one-of-a-kind satirical hybrid podcast where lesbians tell their coming out stories each week. Ooh, I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds great. 
Yeah, and it has really interesting people. Like it has Mary Houlihan, Anna Gasteyer, Gavin oh, Hoffman, nice. and Sam Jay are, have all been guests. I think there's eight episodes and it's just sort of a one-off thing. So you could sit down and really get into it. Awesome. And what's cool about it is that all the guests really are queer women who come in and tell their real coming out stories. But Stuart actually plays a fictionalized character named Angela Rosserman, who is kind of like the worst, basically, it's the intent, <laughs> like intentionally bad. And the reason is Stuart said she wanted to explore how homophobia can hide in unexpected places by creating the worst possible host, which is obviously Angela. Oh, that uh, sounds really interesting. Yeah. So she said she's a woman who is desperate to make a comeback with these tell-all coming out stories, but who isn't exactly comfortable with their own sexuality. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. So that sounds rad. Even more rad is apparently it's being developed into a TV series, Ooh. which I will definitely be watching and probably covering in my professional life. Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> which means I'll have an excuse to talk to Stuart Thorndock. <gasps> oh, no. Ooh. That would be terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> but that's not all. She's also the assistant teaching professor of film at Syracuse University College of Visual and Performing Arts. Nice. She is busy. Smarty she stays pants. busy. As I mentioned, Lyle is Stuart's first feature, and the idea for the film came to her when she was taking a shower, because we okay. all have our best thoughts. You know, shower I mean, thoughts yeah, are a thing. that's true. Mm -hmm. And she was inspired by both wanting to have a kid and also being afraid of having one. Mm, yeah. Which, yeah. So she told the story of, of how it kind of came about in an interview with Leak magazine. She said, I was in the shower. I was dating Ingrid Youngerman, who is the wife in this oh, okay. film. Gotcha. Yeah, that was her real partner at the time. And I wanted to have kids and she didn't. She had just gone on some vacation or she'd left town, I remember. And all of a sudden, in my head, I thought, she's bad. She's stopping me from having kids. I suddenly had this whole story and I just wrote it down really fast. When I looked at it, I realized that I had just written The Gay Lesbian Rosemary's Baby. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Stuart said that she was also interested in writing a different kind of queer film when she sat down to write this out. She wanted to write about a lesbian couple, but she wanted to make sure that the story wasn't about how hard mm -hmm. it was to be gay. Yeah. And I think she definitely succeeded there. It is very interesting because it is very much incidental to the, the story as opposed to being like a central sort of thing. Yep. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> it's doable, folks. Yes. Imagine that. Queer people whose lives don't evolve entirely around being queer. And like, oh, they're just people, people. When she was writing the film, she already had her lead actor in mind. She basically wrote this piece with Gabby oh, Hoffman okay. in her mind's eye, who she didn't know really personally, but she kind of knew her socially, and she'd always really wanted to work with her. She was really impressed with you know, her acting style. So she invited Gabby to coffee. They went on a little coffee date and talked about the project, and... Apparently, Gabby was immediately on board, even when Stuart explained that there would be no money, practically. <laughs> because <laughs> this, so cool. this thing is like definitely a shoestring budget situation. It was okay. actually funded on Kickstarter. Oh, okay. And it was shot over the course of five days. So five five days? day shoot. Holy shit. Yeah, they had a couple of little pickup scenes after the fact, but all the main shooting took place in less than a week. Whoa, yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. And initially, the, it wasn't meant to be a feature. The original plan was that this was going to be a web series, like a horror web series. She was inspired by Ingrid's web series. And so she thought, like, I want to do a horror version of that. I think that's a really mm, interesting idea. Okay. But when they were done shooting and they started putting it together, she realized, no, no, no. This is not something we want to watch in bite size. This is a feature. Gotcha. So oh, that's really interesting. In. Yeah. So the film premiered to critical praise at Outfest in 2014, and Gabby Hoffman received the Grand Jury Prize for Best Actress. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> and at that point, a lot of people reached out to Stuart and were like, okay, we want to distribute this. Let's make a distributing deal. And she had initially planned not to do that. And so when oh. all of a sudden there was all this interest for actual distribution, she was like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? And ultimately she decided, nope, I'm doing this myself. Because, as she said in this interview, we went with self-distribution despite other options because I have so many friends that have had movies do really well at festivals, get bought, and then they go into this limbo where they have no control oh. over what happens to their film once it's bought. Gotcha. And she wanted, she had a plan for why she wanted to do it the way that she did. Because not only did she distribute it herself on LyleMovie.com, 
she distributed it for free. Really? For a long time, you could watch it on the website. But oh, there was a reason. That website also had a link to the next Kickstarter. Oh, gotcha. So she was basically using it as a marketing tool for the next yes, project? exactly. Okay. It was an opportunity to fundraise another film that she already had lined up. Because Lyle is actually the first part of a planned trilogy of women and queer-focused horror. Ooh. So she released it on LyleMovie.com and directed people there to fund a movie that was at the time called Putney. And it worked. The film got kickstarted, but then it kind of went radio silence for a while. Hmm. Okay. So I looked at the Kickstarter and in January of this year, there was an update. Oh. Yes. So she updated the Kickstarters to tell them that the production is about to begin on the second feature. So presumably now that we're in June, it's either in production or done. They had fully cast it and photography had begun. Oh, that's rad. Okay. Because I was a little worried when you were saying that. I'm like, well, a trilogy sounds awesome, but if nothing else has come of it, that's sad. But yes. Nice. So the movie has now been retitled The Stay, and it is about a haunted TED Talk. Ooh, okay. (laughs) There's, I've seen some more details about it, but I'm not going to go into it because they feel a little spoilery. But let me tell you, we're going to cover this movie. Okay. Because it sounds super cool. And then we are definitely going to cover the third one which is a movie called Daughter and is about a love triangle between a mother, her troubled teen daughter, and a witch that moved in next door. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Love a witchy movie. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that one's like a while, you know, it's a ways yeah. off. Yeah, Lyle yeah. is currently available on Shudder and Tubi, like you said. So, you know, you should definitely watch it to get Stewart's vibe because one thing I can say for sure is this is not the last time we will be talking about her. I'm very excited to talk about this day when it comes out. Awesome. All right. So should we talk about our thoughts about this movie in a non-spoilery way? Sounds good. All right. I've been running my mouth. Your turn. Tell me what you thought about this movie. (laughs) All right. Well, I actually ended up really loving this movie in a lot of ways, primarily because this movie is all about Gabby Hoffman, and it's basically a showcase for her amazing talent. Yeah. So I have loved her. We talked about this on the last episode since she was in Now and Then when I was a kid. That's such a great movie. (laughs) I have always been a secret admirer of her eyebrows. Oh, glorious. I I hold her personally as the, the, you know, progenitor of that phase that everybody had three years ago where everybody's eyebrows got enormous. (laughs) They were trying to be Gabby and failing. Exactly. Exactly. And her eyebrow acting Mm-hmm. Definitely rivals John Krasinski, you know? Ooh, so coming for John Krasinski's <laughs> gig. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, she just does such a good job of selling you on the grief and the depression and the paranoia and isolation in this movie. Such amazing facial expressions. She's just so good. I think that this movie does rely on your understanding of Rosemary's Baby and similar movies because it's so short and everything's kind of condensed. I think it does rely a little bit on you sort of already knowing the formula a bit. Hmm. But I think that her interactions with her neighbors are truly unsettling. And this movie keeps you on your toes, definitely, whether, you know, thinking about how to say this without, I guess we already spoiled it kind of by saying it's like Rosemary's baby. But I think that as you're watching her emotional state kind of fall apart and devolve, it keeps you guessing exactly what's happening, Mm -hmm. what's actually happening, whether it is in her head or not. And I really appreciated that. I just think it's, it's a tight, short movie that is very effective. And again, Gabby Hoffman is just so amazing in this. We'll talk about it in spoilers, but that party scene. Woo. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it, it, oh my, yeah. We'll get in there. Okay. Sorry. I started to do it. We're, we're, no, calm down. <laughs> calm down, Rachel. Calm down. <laughs> I'm hype. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I did just have pound a cup of coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been meaning to see this for ages. It's mm-hmm. always included on lists of, of women directed yeah. horror and queer horror. And for whatever reason, I just have not gotten around to it. And I think in part because it's so synonymous with this idea that it's a Rosemary's baby, but make it gay. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was like, oh, you know, I've seen Rosemary's baby and I've seen other things try to do Rosemary's baby. 
And so it got deprioritized, not intentionally, but I think that's kind of what was happening. And I also like, you know, because the Rosemary Babies knockoffs are not very good, you know, it's not that fun to watch a woman directed horror film and not like it. So I I think I just hadn't gotten, you know, whatever, whatever reason, Mm -hmm. which was a shame because I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I obviously there are parallels to Rosemary's Baby. Stuart Thorndog herself has said that there are parallels to it. There's in terms especially of just sort of the formula of it, right? Yeah, the plot structure is very similar. Yes. But I think it's kind of a shame that it does get compared to it because I think it does a disservice because the the execution of it is very different. And Mm -hmm. I think it what it's talking about is very different. And I think Gabby Hoffman's performance is one that you absolutely do not want to miss. And ultimately, despite those similarities, it, it it feels mo- I feel like I connect with Leah in ways that I could never connect with Rosemary. Mm-hmm. I feel like in some ways because of that character, in terms of really appreciating the themes, this one was more effective for me than Rosemary's Baby. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see some of that, and I do think that the addition of her having a child at the start of the movie does yeah. change a lot of what the movie's talking about too. Yeah, definitely, and also the dynamics between her yeah. and her partner, mm-hmm. the dynamics with the neighbors, the things that it's talking about, the ways that it talks about women are very very different, and there are things that always kind of kept Rosemary's Baby at a distance for me. Whereas this one, I ga- it gave me someone to care about in a way gotcha. that I just, I don't know. We'll get into it more. Okay. And I think this does a much better job of handling the female psyche than Rosemary's Baby does. Mm-hmm. Everything happens to Rosemary, and that is not the truth with Leah. She is has way more agency. Yeah. Um, so- I mean, I think in Rosemary's Baby, she lacks agency because of the time period, not just right. because of how it was written. And here you get a modern version of that where right. she gets to take control more. Yeah. I agree. I'm just saying, like, like mm-hmm. I'm. It's it's not a flaw of Rosemary's Baby. I'm just saying the way that I experienced <laughs> this movie. I'm not yeah. coming for your movie. Calm down, <laughs> Ariel. No, I'm saying the way that I interacted with this movie as I was watching it, I was much more. Yeah. I always, like I said, Rosemary is always at arm's length for me because I cannot really. I can identify with her as like she is a victim of a fucked up system, but I don't gestalt shift. You know what I mean? Whereas with Leah, I can. I think it's mysterious. I think it's modern. I think it's feminist and deeply compelling. I think the way that the mystery is kind of unraveled is fascinating. I think the side characters, for the most part, I have one that I don't care for, but for the most part are really great. And there's some really great performances. This movie is gut-wrenching in some places, cathartic Mm -hmm. in other places. Yeah, I, I don't know. And then it has that runtime, baby. Ooh. <laughs> yes, 60 minutes. I had 60 minutes of a great time. So if you haven't checked out on Lyle, it, like you said, it is very available. Do yourself a favor and check it out ASAP. Yes. All right. So now we have said our non-spoiler thoughts, which means the only thing we can do now is spoil things. On to the main event. On to the main event. Where Ariel gets mad at me because I compared this to Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> I was not mad more favorable. I compared it to that too. It's, I mean, how can you not? <laughs> yeah, I said more favorable. <laughs> right, right. So now you know what's coming. And if you are one of those people who have don't like spoilers or who hasn't seen it, this is your chance to jump ship. And if you're still with us at this point, well, you've made your choice. Let's move forward. <laughs> Ariel. Now yeah. that the all the spoiler training wheels, no seatbelts, no restraints. Let's go with that. Restraints are off. <laughs> I'm good at this. Um, what kind of restraints, Rachel? <laughs> Daddy Rachel. <laughs> Daddy Rachel says the restraints are off. Ariel, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this movie? Give us the plot synopsis for this one. All right. So Gabby Hoffman plays Leah, who is moving into a new apartment with her wife, June, and little toddler girl named Lyle. Mm -hmm. Leah is pregnant with their second child, and her music producer wife is upset that she's not having a boy. One day, Leah takes her eyes off the baby for a moment while on a Skype kind of call, and Lyle dies in a tragic accident. After Lyle's death, Leah starts to unravel. She's struggling with guilt and depression and becomes convinced that her landlady, Karen, who lives downstairs, is plotting against her family. Karen has some problems of her own, though. She sort of struggles (laughs) (laughs) with not being able to be a mother. 
She's always mm-hmm. wanted to be pregnant, but could never have a child of her own. So sometimes she pretends to be pregnant with the belly and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So Leah befriends an upstairs neighbor who is a successful model, and she begins to confide in her. But after doing some research into the building they live in and learning that a number of small children have died, she finds photos of the model where her face is blurred. And Leah becomes convinced that the model must have entered into a plot with the devil and wants her baby. When she runs to her apartment to escape, she finds that her wife's face is also blurry in photos. And then she starts going into labor. Her wife and their friend, played by Michael Che, which I did not see coming. No, me neither. <laughs> and Karen uh, hold Leah down in a birthing tub so she can't ex- escape. They all made a pact with the devil for money and fame in exchange for their firstborn son. But since Leah didn't have a son, Satan took a Lyle and is now going to take their second daughter too. But Leah is able to trick her wife into making everyone else leave and then drowns her in the birthing tub. <laughs> and then the film One ends. more reason not to have a home birth. <laughs> <laughs> and then the film ends with Leah in labor in said tub. Yep. Dead body and all. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, like I said, restraints are off. Let's hear your thoughts of this movie. All right. So, yeah, I love this movie. I think it's great. I do not mind a long runtime, unlike Rachel, but I think that this actually really worked in this sort of tight setting, you know, where they had to kind of go through things quickly. And I think that Gabby Hoffman just carries this whole film on her shoulder. She is so good. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can, like, read all of the emotional turmoil on her face mm-hmm. really tells you so much. Because a lot of this movie, she is either by herself or just reacting to someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. So you really, like, you need that clarity of what she's feeling and thinking. I enjoyed when the movie kept you guessing about things. I mean, I think the ending is somewhat predictable, but there were points at this movie where you're not sure, is this postpartum depression is it grief and guilt over the death of lyle is she being gaslit because somebody is manipulating her like her wife or neighbors or did somebody make a deal with the devil right there Mm -hmm. are different points where you don't know i think i especially loved how she kept finding lyle's toy horses yes in different places Mm -hmm. there was something so deeply unsettling about this sort of joyful child's toy being Mm -hmm. kind of planted and you're you're but you're not entirely sure is her wife doing this to her intentionally or is something else happening here you know Mm -hmm. i think that part of it's really good and i also think that the karen the neighbor lady adds a whole other layer of uncertainty (laughs) because of her own emotional shit she's going through Mm -hmm. i mean there is this point early on in the movie where they've just moved into this new building leah is unpacking boxes And so you know that they haven't been there very long. But the landlady who showed them around the apartment, who was clearly not pregnant at the time, now she looks downstairs and is clearly, I don't know, six months pregnant or something. And talking to other neighbors about her pregnancy and it it was like kind of like a mind fuck you know because i was like wait Mm -hmm. what the what the hell is going on here (laughs) and they don't explain that for a little while which i think is smart because it definitely keeps you guessing and kind of on your toes and where you're you're not sure exactly what's happening yeah yeah because that that baby bump really threw me off (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah that party scene i don't know if you want to talk about that but yeah, that party scene is incredible. It goes kind of predictable ways, but there's something about the her performance, especially when she realizes everyone has is uncomfortable and turned on her. Instead yes. of buttoning it up, she's so raw. That last beat where she's just starting to like scream again yeah. is so powerful. It's so powerful because you're right. All these people are backing away from her and turning mm-hmm. away from her. Obviously uncomfortable that she's made the scene and the wife is making it clear that she's, you know, overreacting or that nothing actually is happening. She's just having a, you know, bad moment. But we know something really is happening. Right. Yeah. I mean, somebody's trying to do something to Leah or at the very least, she's having a mental breakdown and needs help, right? Yeah. And these people are just turning their backs on her. And the way that she, instead of buttoning it up and or leaving, she just like, 
you know, full on emotional. It's really powerful. And Gabby Hoffman, again, is so amazing. It's so So believable. So believable. There's something very grounded and real about all of the performances here and the way it's filmed, where there's not a lot of tricky camera angles and stuff. Mm -mm. It just feels very natural. So it it makes you feel like you're really in this party, you know, And, and you feel on two levels. One, deeply uncomfortable because she is Mm -hmm. making a scene and we all have this sort of programmed socialized thing of not wanting to make scenes you know in groups of people so you're you're feeling that emotion but you also feel so much for leah because she is our window into this movie you know yeah for me it was i agree everything you're saying about that scene but there's also the added layer of being like i felt cathartic that she was able to just scream it out Mm -hmm. but also I was like, oh, no, yeah, because you can feel that totally as people who have insight into what's happening, that totally reasonable response being weaponized. You can feel it happening in that moment that she is turning while Mm -hmm. her response is totally natural and justified. It's also discrediting at the same time. Yeah, it reads as making her, quote unquote, crazy. Yes. A plot line that I love is a hit when a hysterical woman is right. Yes. You know what I mean? It reinforces yeah. thematically this idea that it is okay to trust your instincts, even when everyone around you is telling you that you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Be- it is the anti-gaslighting message. Yeah, because she just keeps barreling forward. People are telling her that she's wrong about this, but she just keeps going and seeking out more information and talking to people about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That moment when she comes back into her apartment and sees those photos and realizes, you know, everything kind of slides into place and she realizes what's happening. That's, you know, unsettling enough. But for me, the the turn of Michael Che. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So creepy because he's been this jovial, happy, sort of friendly guy towards her. And then all of a sudden he's like, nah, I wasn't supposed to be here for this part. And you yeah. realize, oh, fuck, he's on the he's the plot is real and he's in on it. Yeah. When ev- literally there she has not a single has, ally. Yeah, no I thought maybe there was a chance that Karen yeah. was a was a was a red herring. And to some mm-hmm. degree she yeah. was. Yeah. She is but mm-hmm. but when you realize that literally there is no safe harbor for for Leah, no. I keep wanting to call her Lyle for Leah. Uh, it's it is terrifying. And, you know, it's not like we've never seen that twist before. Right. Where the yeah. person is like, ah, oh, fuck, I said too much. But there's something about the execution of that one that it just hit so hard when he's like, oh, well, I guess I'm in on it, too. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, are you? And then he says, like you said, I wasn't supposed to be here for this part. And you're like, oh, no. oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. We could go on and on about Gabby Hoffman because she is the heart and soul of this. Yeah. I will say that one of the emotional... Then I think this comes down to the filmmaking. The handling of the death of Lyle is incredible. Yeah. The way that, because I I had seen the description. And so the entire time I'm watching this, I'm like, fuck, I have to watch this baby die. And, you know, I don't really care about that kind of thing. But I think this kid (laughs) is so cute. It is a really cute cute kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They effectively made me feel genuine dread over what was coming for this kid. But the way that they did it, I thought was totally effective. And without having to be gratuitous in any way. Apparently they did shoot more of a scene where you saw more, but I'm, like I'm glad you you didn't see it. I don't think you need to to get the I don't emotional think so. impact of what's happening without it feeling like exploitative in any way or well the reason yucky. I think part of why it works so well is not only does it not put you through having to see the kid down on the ground or whatever, but it really kind of for me highlighted and drove home the absolute horror and terror of having your life turn on a dime yeah one minute you're having a casual conversation and the next minute your life is irrevocably damaged and that is something that just resonates and is 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 like a true source of terror for me and i think that this the best horror obviously mines real life things that you're frightened of like allow you to process it i don't know that i processed it but it definitely hit me in that place, yeah. that fear oh, that I yeah, have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I also think by us not seeing it in the same way that Leah didn't see it mm-hmm. puts us more in her in her perspective, in her shoes, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, the whole setup of the shot is really interesting, right? Yeah. You, you see the, the child turn the corner at the end of the thing, and you're like, oh, they're fine. Yep. But you can't see. No. Where, yeah, it's it's shocking and terrifying and really really well done i also am glad that we didn't spend a bunch of time in that 
that morning, right? Because Mm -hmm. not that that time isn't important, but I think it is smart to just move to the next action beat, you know? And to not, because it could be baggy in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this thing is, there is no, it's all thriller, no filler, because (laughs) it's an hour long. I mean, honestly, I'm going to contradict myself. I could have spent 10 more minutes with them, you know? Like, I know. I could have done an hour. (laughs) I could have done an hour and 15. Yeah. (laughs) Only because I, I was so enchanted by Gabby Hoffman that I could have spent more time watching her eyes fill with tears. There is a scene where she is, we don't see what she's looking at on the screen when she's learning about the cursed house. Mm -hmm. And you are just, you, I mean, eventually you get it all revealed to you in a really kind of a great scene later, but even not having any idea what's happening, spending a fair amount of time just staring at her face as she reads something is yeah. compelling because of the way that she is just, I mean, she just has a magnetism and a vulnerability and she surprises you, right? She doesn't do obvious things with her expressions. I don't know. I don't know. I find her deeply, deeply fascinating. To look yeah, at. she's so compelling and, mm-hmm. and fascinating. And I want to see her in all of the things all the time because she's just that good, you know, and she plays yeah. a lot of different roles, too. So she's a true talent. And, mm-hmm. you know, that scene where she runs out on the street in mm-hmm. her sort of house dress or nightgown or whatever it was. Vintage. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I love it. But um you know, she's running up to all these people and people are, you know, stopping to talk to her. But you see on her face as she starts to kind of mumble things that like, there's no way to tell somebody this right. and have right. them believe you and not think you're nuts. Yeah. Right. Because it's, it's right. so preposterous. Right. And so out of the realm of reality that there's no way mm-hmm. you can just grab somebody off the street and say, like, help me with this thing, because the thing is outlandish. Right. right. I mean, they have effectively baited the trap and trap yeah. her even when she knows she now there is no escape from it right what's she supposed to do with that information now yeah the other person that really I, rebecca street is karen and i think okay. that karen is a character that could be a nothing or a yes. stock character but rebecca street is incredible she's great she has the sweetest most grammar mm-hmm. motherly voice and no even though she says nothing scary I found her terrifying. Yeah. I mean, she really puts you on edge. And mm-hmm. and when she is sort of saying like, oh, I don't want to do this. And they're like, yeah, but you could have a kid. You know, like you could mm-hmm. have a baby. Mm-hmm. And she is like, okay. I mean, she gives in so easily because that's what she's wanted for so long. And they set that up so well earlier yeah. with the emotional beats that she gets talking about that. It's She's really good. Well, I mean, they what it is is they make she consistently makes you uncomfortable. Yes, and she does. They do it in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like there is the reveal. Well, first of all, there's the moment when she first meets Leah, and she's like, "I'm trying," and I you're know. just like, "And you know how Ooh. old she is." You're like, mm, okay. and it's like social discomfort, right? Yes. Like they ease you into it, right, with a little bit of social discomfort. And then you're like, okay, we're in a horror movie, so you're on guard for people behaving strangely because those are signs of nefarious, sinister behaviors, right? Right. And then we get the pregnancy reveal, like you said, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Then we get the leaking breasts, which is another incredibly uncomfortable moment because then you're like, oh, wait a minute, is she really? You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. it really plays with your perceptions. And then we have her showing up at the party and being sexual towards the guests in a way that is a new way that makes you incredibly uncomfortable. And consistently, and then we get the, like the cake scene consistently throughout this film, she makes you uncomfortable. And I think that is a great way of just adding layers of tension. And it comes down to her really great performance in this. Yeah. That she kind of balances on this knife's edge of grandmotherly and also unpredictability yeah there's an unhinged quality to Mm -hmm. her that is very unsettling i have to say that i also think that she took way too small bites of that cake that's all i'm saying there were tiny bites (laughs) what was she doing applesauce applesauce i'm like don't say applesauce again crazy <laughs> yeah, I and the other thing is I just I think this I've talked about it a little bit. I just really 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 love Leah. I love Leah. Yeah. 
She's fantastic. She has a lot more agency and self-confidence than Rosemary did. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's a social commentary about the time. But I also it also means I'm able to connect with her. Yeah, I totally you know? get that. Absolutely. And I like that she's never cowed in this. Mm-hmm. We see it in the party scene, obviously. And we see her. What's interesting also is that there's a it's much there's no paternalism in this. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They go to a professional as a couple and they talk as a united front. There's none of that, how the doctor turns on Rosemary. Right. No, none of that at all. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I really like this. I I think even though there are a lot of parallels to Rosemary's baby, I I wish people could talk about it in a different way because I think people think like, I've already seen the best version of this. Why would I watch it? And I don't think that's necessarily true. This is so different that you need to watch this too. There's enough here that's really, really different that it's Mm -hmm. totally worth a watch, including the ending, which... (laughs) Yes. Can we talk about the ending? Yeah. I mean... First of all, like being held down while you're in labor trying to give birth, I can't imagine how terrifying that would be. Yeah. You know, doing it in a birthing tub and there's just this sort of weirdness to all of it while they're negotiating with Karen and holding her down. But one of the things that I really liked too was that throughout the movie, we see June kind of emotionally manipulating Leah at yeah. times. but. Then at the end, Leah uses that emotional connection to manipulate Mm -hmm. June into forcing people to leave the room so she can just be alone with June. And then she kills her. Mm-hmm. I mean, just drowns her. She does such school. a good job with it, man. Yeah, she does. <laughs> it's so really little great. while she's in labor, you mm-hmm. know? And then the way it ends with her sort of holding onto the edge of the tub and just like screaming out the contraction or whatever. It's, it's really good. And there's no ambiguity at all about what happened Mm. yeah no absolutely not absolutely not and that's i mean i guess i that's another part of it too i feel like there's an important narrative about you know patriarchy and and stuff that we see in rosemary's baby but i think there is some catharsis around being like okay here's that story but presented through a modern lens and like it has has power it's a different Mm -hmm. story for women yep yeah, and, absolutely. And I think there's a lot of times when you watch Rosemary, you're like, God, things more things change, the more they stay the same. And that's true. But it's also not true. And I think that it's great to have a narrative that points out the ways that, that there has been ad- advancement. I mean, not in the last couple of weeks, but we won't go there. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. There's also interesting stuff about the way that it talks about gender stuff is interesting and the wanting of its son because you yeah. get two for one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, (laughs) that's definitely a comment. And the way that June is upset when Leah reveals that she's having another girl, and you're sort Mm -hmm. of at the beginning, you're like, that's weird and uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting how it kind of reveals itself, how she withdrew from Lyle. And when she heard that information that it was going to be a girl, what she knew she owed to. Yeah. And then she couldn't get emotionally attached. And so, well, also, she couldn't get emotionally attached to the baby. And it meant now Lyle had to go. Yep. Because she owed two. And there's these little hints throughout it. Like, well, the thing about no longer taking Lyle for coffee in the morning Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that you kind of have to reflect back on. And then it all kind of comes together in a way that's really interesting. I don't know. I think it's good writing. I think it's good directing. I totally agree. The performances are fantastic. All right. We have been heaping praise on this film. Was there anything about it that maybe didn't land for you? I don't know that there's anything that didn't land. I think that because there is this kind of distance and almost coldness between June and Leah throughout Mm -hmm. the movie, you don't feel their emotional connection. And so when that trust is broken and we get the reveal at the end, I think it's a little bit less of a gut punch because Mm. of that. Mm -hmm. I also... Uh, I kind of hesitate to even say this, but I think that some of June's lines weren't delivered as well as some of the other actors in Mm -hmm. the movie. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to stack up to to, to Gabby. Yeah, and Karen, too. Yeah, yeah. The woman who played Karen. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there are some really, really compelling performances in this that are hard to live up to. And I think that's, for me, it's, for me, it was more Michael Che. His final reveal is really good, but some of his earlier stuff. When he turned into an asshole, I was like, oh, I buy it. Yeah. (laughs) But when he was a friend. Yeah, well, I think the problem is, is that their friend chemistry isn't quite there. So it's hard to like buy into them being close, you know? Uh huh. I think that's probably. And I I feel like that's more him than it is her. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, no, definitely. It's not her. <laughs> it's not her. I mean, he's a comic and a yes. writer who also acts. And I think she is an actor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, absolutely. And I just want to say, you say you're an old school fan. I've been I've been writing with Gabby Hoffman since Uncle Buck. Okay. I'm just that is that true. Out there. Uncle Buck is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. So overall, would you recommend that people check out Lyle. Oh, yeah. I mean, one, it's only an hour out of your day. But two, I just I do think this movie is really good and worth watching for their performances and their writing. And the fact that like you were saying in the research part, there aren't a lot of movies where the queer element is just in the background is like dress mm-hmm. setting for the movie and isn't the mm-hmm. focus of it. And mm-hmm. so that is different and, and really refreshing. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I would I highly recommend this to people who it's like a pilot of a movie that I or a series that I wish we had sequels to. Like, imagine if this was like a servant situation and this was just that would the be very cool. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. I, I really it. enjoyed this. So yeah, definitely check it out. All right. Well, that is it for our review of Lyle. You now know what to do. You know where to get it. Put it in your eyeballs uh, and let us know what you think or, you know, whatever. Reach out to us at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. And uh, let us know what you think. Uh, You can also reach us on our Facebook page. We've got a Facebook page. We goof around on there once in a while. We'd love to hear from you there. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcast and slide into the DMs. Speaking of which, I don't know if you saw the comment we just got on our Women's Spotlight post. No. Well, then I'll read it to you. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. Movies by women from Bria Grant. <gasps> ah! Ah, are you serious? That's yes. so awesome. <laughs> I know. Oh I was like, you were talking and I was like, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. <laughs> don't interrupt. <laughs> but yeah, so you can follow us at ZG Podcast and slide into our DMs there. Or you can leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you. And we're a really good follow. Ariel is kind of our uh, social media maven. Oh, my God. And she brings the thunder. And Matilda's really fantastic, too. Me and she Sarah is, suck. Rachel. But you guys are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do the businessy posts. You do all the fun posts. If it wasn't ours, I would follow it. <laughs> it's great. You're a great I'm follow. glad you feel that way. Which is funny because you have no social media yourself. <laughs> so you're just like letting it all hang out on the CG podcast. <laughs> it's true. I'm like a ghost otherwise. <laughs> I love it. Wait, are you the ghost? <laughs> is your apartment actually empty? And you're like, oh, I had a ghost. But really, the others were the people who rented. Well, that would be depressing. I mean, yes and no, right? Now you're just an awesome ghost who like hangs out on social media and shit. <laughs> Like, you're making haunting look kind of rad. I know. I know. All right. Anyways, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more of this weirdness and you want to let other people know that we exist, you should leave (laughs) us a review. We would love that because now we do feel a little bit like maybe we are the others. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your pods. If you're on Spotify, be sure to give us that good old five star rating and make us feel real good. And if you're looking for something spooky to check out, tonight you want to watch some spooky doings you've already watched lyle you spent the awesome hour watching lyle and you need something else then check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com where all the spooky doings that you could ever hope for are available on our calendar to let you know what's coming up what's out right now what to get hyped for all that stuff at zombiegirls.com what else oh our merch we got some sweet merch you know you want the merch you know you want to look you want to floss out with a, a more deadly shirt who doesn't maybe you need a more deadly mug wake up to our beautiful logo every morning uh you can get that at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and if you love us and want to support us we have a patreon that's right that's right we've joined the patreon like a year ago where have you been come on, on, the line, on the line. <laughs> uh, but you get lots of really cool perks if you are a patron you get extended episodes uh ariel what are we doing today on our extended episode So today is going to be an interesting one because until about an hour ago, I forgot that it was my job to do this this time. So you (laughs) did the Rachel method. I like it. (laughs) So while I'm tootling around the internet, if I see something, I put it in this doc and I'm like, I'll make an episode about that later. Instead, we're just going to grab some stuff from that and see what happens. No, I'm excited. I like this. It's going to be like a Shyamalan (laughs) twist. So yeah, you get that. You get cool extended episodes, like whatever this is going to be. You get bonus episodes. I'm going to make Ariel play King's Cup, and she's really excited about it on our oh, upcoming yeah. 
extended episode. We also have our live show in the works where we're going to have a lot of really fun guests. Well, some of our your favorites, some new peeps, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be cool. We're working on it. We're putting it together. We also have like our pride stuff coming up. So that's another reason you should be following us on Instagram because all of our pride coverage will be on Instagram and Twitter. So don't miss out on that. And thanks to all the patrons that have been supporting us. You know, we're at about a year and a half now of having it and we've made some amazing friends through the Patreon. Yes, we have. Like every single person that supports us, like we like are so grateful. It means the world that you would that you would actually support us. I don't always <laughs> ask people to, but I'm always like, whenever someone does, I'm like, really? What? <laughs> Dope. <laughs> so thank you to everybody that has been supporting us and hopefully new peeps will join the little family. Yeah, I guess that just leaves what our plan is for the next episode. Ariel, you're in charge of programming. I what am. are we going to be watching? All right. So we are going to be watching Bria Grant's newest movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Grant. We're such grant heads around here. Oh yeah. I mean, you guys remember we covered 12 Hour Shift. Yes. And we absolutely adored that movie. Last year we covered Lucky and we got mm-hmm. to interview Bria Grant, which was fantastic. Amazing. She's brilliant. Love her. She is. So Torn Hearts will be out on VOD by the time the next episode airs. Mm-hmm. So you guys will be able to watch it. And it is about a country music duo who seek out the private mansion of their idol and end up in a twisted series of horrors that force them to confront the limits they'd go for their dreams. Yes. And it's supposed to be pretty bloody. So oh, yeah. And I'm it stars excited. an absolute queen. Yes. Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Ah. I love her so much. I know. She's I mean, so I have great. a cat named after one of her characters. Yes. Like, <laughs> I have a cat named Leela because, I mean, I, I love Katie yeah i watched I'm so much really of that excited. stupid motorcycle show just for her like- <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the new york times the title of their review of torn hearts is torn hearts sequins and savagery so- <laughs> that oh, but, okay great. that is the name of my memoir tm 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 <laughs> <laughs> so Holy yeah shit. i'm excited i can't wait oh my god me too me too Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, definitely check out Torn Hearts. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about it. And you're going to don't don't spoil this for yourselves. you got two weeks to get it together. Make it yeah, happen. Watch it. Come on. All right. Come take on. us out, Ariel. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We had a great time reviewing Lyle. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll be back here in two weeks for Torn Hearts. Have a good night. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to my co-host Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly, editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker, and our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly After Dark. I'm your very sexy co- er, co-host, yes, Daddy Rachel, <laughs> and joining me is my baby girl, Erin. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so funny, especially because that's what my mom calls me. <laughs> okay, well, that's ruined. Let's move forward. <laughs> you get to be Daddy Ariel because you're in charge today. So what are, what are we What are we doing? I don't really know. I mean, I do know, but like, nice, it's going to be nice. random. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, gently stewarded through this process right? <laughs> <laughs> although to be fair last time i did this i just like basically went to bloody disgusting and looked at headlines so who am i to judge yeah yeah who am i to judge, I to judge? <laughs> nobody so like i was saying on the main episode i just sort of throw some ideas in here and i'm just gonna pick a couple of them so there's some like random stuff and a couple of quizzes and we're just gonna do that all right that sounds fun actually Okay, cool. So the first one is just a news article. I was wondering if you had heard about the sort of lost world forest that was found in China. No. Okay, so clay, so cave explorers in southern China say they found a modern-day equivalent of the lost world. Okay, What? At the bottom of a newly discovered 630-foot-deep sinkhole. Wait, what? There is a hidden forest. So apparently sinkholes are fairly common in China because of like, I don't know, the terrain or whatever. But I'm not a geologist. I don't know. But photosynthesis. I don't understand. <laughs> so there are a couple openings, and I guess that's how this happened. But it's huge. And they found 
uh, shoulder high flora and 130 foot tall trees inside the sinkhole. So the explorers completed their um, expedition on May 6, emerging from the sinkhole after rappelling more than 100 meters down, which is about a, about 330 feet, and walking several hours to reach the bottom. What? Yeah, isn't that crazy? I I still I don't understand how there is forest in a sinkhole. I don't get it either. So re- researchers also think that they may find new species of animals and of plants they down will. there. Of course they will. <laughs> Which apparently this sinkhole is made up of three caves and measures 5 million cubic meters, which is the equivalent of 2,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So my question is... How is there a forest underground? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cannot move forward because I don't understand. This is the thing like when I saw Kong versus Godzilla, and they're like in the underworld, in the center of the the earth, and then there's still trees. I'm like... Did seventh grade biology lie to me? Is photosynthesis <laughs> not how plants eat? I don't so understand. Maybe it's like types of plants and trees that don't require a lot of sunlight, but it gets a little bit because there are a couple of openings. Okay. I think that might be it, but I don't know. I'm not okay. a scientist. What do I know? Okay. So my question is, Rachel. Yes. You are my friend who yes. probably knows the most about cryptids. <laughs> so okay. my question is. What cryptid do you think is living in this sinkhole? What? Ooh, that's an excellent question. Okay, okay, okay. 